0: Welcome to the C.S. Joseph podcast. I'm your host, C.S. Joseph. Obviously, I mean, yeah, at least I'm not, you know, I mean, I could be Christ Taylor, or I could not be, and it would probably be great if he was on the show, uh, doing these from time to time. I I wonder, We'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, but, yeah, uh, T.I. Daddy and uh, Christ Taylor at the C.S. Joseph podcast. It'd be nice to have, like, a, a morning show where or or we have, like, a panel. I, uh, something I've been thinking about. I wonder if uh, you folks would be down with that, going through uh, current events and, you know, making fun of people with how silly they are with their, uh, their personality type and just exposing people. Why not? Why not do that? So, who knows? Imagine all the conspiracy theories you could have with such a show. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, think of all the crazy things we could say about Kim Kardashian. It would be fantastic. So uh, today's question, we have a question. Uh, so I'm just going to read it out. Hey Chase, hope you've been good. My ESTJ partner recently left me and I'm in retrospect seeing that the relationship was essentially doomed from the start because no matter how much I gave or acquiesced, they wouldn't take accountability for most things or compromise on anything honestly. Uh, okay, maybe. Uh, they also exhibited a lot of the things they faulted me for. For example, occasional jealousy, but there was always, but it was always justified, and mine wasn't. Theirs was always justified. They just held on to every little thing that happened. Well, yeah, that's what SI users do. We fought once a month max, and claimed they couldn't take it anymore, and didn't believe I could do better. Then said it wasn't my fault, citing incompatibility. Then bounced. Is this fair and acceptable behavior for ESTJs or was I with an immature one? And if so, how can I tell for future reference because as an ISFP, I just cannot help myself when it comes to ESTJs. I mean, who can? I mean, seriously, it's a companionship relationship. It's uh, tied for highest sexual compatibility. Who can not uh, help themselves? Of course, like, uh, I mean, you know, it's like an ENFP, they just, they just can't help themselves, but be attracted to INFJs or INTJs. It's just kind of like, you know, it's like a bugs to a bug zapper. That's normal. So what you're going through is ultimately normal. Although I don't understand why you have the opinion that your relationship was essentially doing from the start, because if that was the case, I'm sure both of you wouldn't have actually gotten involved. Also, uh, is your ESTJ partner the same gender as you, or are they actually the opposite gender? Like, what, what's going on here? Because, you know, that matters. Sexual, uh, sexuality always trumps personality type, and this could be a simple case of hypergamy. Um, if the ESTJ is in fact is in fact a woman, this it could be just hypergamous optimization, and then using the what little or what negativity was actually in the relationship as an excuse for her to optimize her hypergamous sexual strategy. Who knows? I don't know that you didn't provide that information. So, based on this, I'll try to be as neutral as possible when it comes to gender, but. Really, when you guys are asking questions like this, make sure you add in all of the relevant details because it helps me answer the question more accurately in the future. So you're in a relationship with an SI parent. SI parents uh, have very high standards for their comfort. And anyone who breaks breaks that zen, basically, they're going to be bitter over time. And every time you break that zen, it causes them to trust you less and less and less and less. It's kind of like a, a spy who's uh, working undercover in another country. Every action he takes gets it closer and closer and closer to the spy being burned, basically, and basically useless. And their cover is blown, or on fire. You see what I'm saying? Well, it's no different with an SI user when you're in a sexual relationship with them. If you go out, if, if you, even if it's not intentional, and you make them uncomfortable, every time you make them uncomfortable it just piles up over time in their head. And they're basically keeping score. You have to understand, every introverted sensor keeps score. If you're an SE user in a relationship with an introverted sensor, they are keeping score 100% of the time. And they will use that scoreboard against you even 20 years later. My, my wife, she, she constantly is aware of the scoreboard and how I am keeping score in my head at all times. She even asked me last night, uh, she's like, well, I need you to tell me, you know what action I can take what options do I have for my NI to take so because I want to make sure that I have something good on your scoreboard or I'm not adding adding anything bad on your scoreboard and I'm like ah yes thank you thank you woman because uh, you are starting to understand how I as an SI user work and you know you always hear about uh, First Corinthians chapter 13, you know, love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm here to tell you folks, that's a lie. And the apostle Paul doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And he can go jump off a bridge for all I care, because I don't know why everyone considers him a real apostle. I highly doubt like, you know, God, the creator actually thinks he was an apostle. Let's be honest, more like a serial killer. That was, that was, that was Paul. He was, or or I mean, Saul, the serial killer, actually. So uh, you might want to consider that. Uh, sometimes love does keep a record of wrongs and has to keep a record of wrongs so that us SI users, for example, can actually have self-respect and you know do that thing called enforcing boundaries. It's like a really big deal. You see what I'm saying? Now, I there's not enough information here for me to make a particular judgment about the ISFP's uh, character, and I'm not going to, or even the ESTJ's character. All I can really say is that like if there was some jealousy, well the thing is is that ISFPs out there I've noticed can be extremely possessive people. Especially ISFP men, they are extremely possessive, which makes sense because you know like they have like mate guarding, they don't want to get cucked because a woman a, a woman being afraid of being raped and a men's fear of being cucked are like the same. If you want to harm a woman, the most pain you could ever cause a woman is to rape her, and the most pain you could ever cause a man is to cuck him. Basically, having sex with another man. Basically, cheating, right? This is why cheating. That's why men who cheat aren't really punished as severely as women who cheat, for example, from a societal or a social point of view, right? So, please be aware of that. But men are severely punished for uh, rape, you know? So, just like. Understand, like you know, there's different priorities to the sexes, and that's really important. But the thing is, though, is that like if we're not, if we're assuming there's no competing sexual strategy here, there's no optimization of hypergamy within this. uh, Within this, it could be just as simple as the ISFP made the ESTJ super uncomfortable, made the ESTJ feel unwanted, made the ESTJ who was likely shadow focused. Uh, with ISTP shadow like they had no freedom and the ISFP just became so possessive kind of like standing on uh, the seashore and holding sand in your hand and holding it and squeezing it tightly and all the sand slips through your fingers it's possible the ISFP was actually very stifling of the ESTJ in this particular situation and the ESTJ probably didn't feel trusted with their ability to make decisions. And that's one of the difficult things about a pedagogue relationship, especially a pedagogue relationship with two decision-making heroes. There's a lot more conflict available in a pedagogue or companionship relationship. If there are two perception heroes, it usually goes better uh, for perception heroes in a pedagogue slash uh, companionship relationship. But uh, when it comes to decision-making heroes, we have TE Hero for the ESTJ and FI Hero for the ISFP. It can be, end up being a competition, a competition for status, basically. And if the ESTJ ever felt like you were putting your status above them, of course they're not going to stick around. Of course they're not going to feel desirable. And the thing is too is that ESTJs, because they're any users, they need to be trusted in order to handle certain things. And it's very possible you didn't trust them to handle certain things. Like for example, um, you know, ISFPs are usually mechanical, mechanically oriented. And ESTJs, sometimes ESTJs, is like a, just a, you know, for the love of it, will just start working on their car and experimenting with their ISTP shadow. Then the ISFP comes in, goes ENTJ subconscious, takes control of the situation, takes the tools right out of the ESTJ's hand, and it's like, ooh, I'm going to help you now, and then does all the work for the ESTJ, ruining the experience and the journey the ESTJ was exploring with their ISTP shadow, and the ISFP is completely unaware of what they've just done. Yeah. That happens all the time. Welcome to Expert Intuition Trickster for ISFPs. Not really being aware of the consequences of their decisions. And then the ESTJ, it's like looking for that TI uh, within the ISFP. The ISFP's ability to listen, well, that's a TI demon. The ESTJ, TE hero is just like, you're not going to listen to me. Why should I stick around? You know, you don't want me enough to listen. You don't want me enough to actually like bother writing things down that are bothering me. Because I keep a record of wrongs. So but you won't bother keeping a record of what's been bothering me and that I don't see you making the effort to fix it. Which is telling their any child that the ESTJ is not as wanted as the ISFP is claiming, or at least looking like, or making it out to be. Which this is this is very common uh, between these two relationships, uh, these two people within this relationship. Very common. How to solve the problem It's not necessarily an issue of compatibility. It's really an issue of communication. Both of you need to actually have a scheduled time or a regular time or a known time where you sit down and actually talk about your relationship. Because if the ISFP is not going to bother asking the ESTJ what they think about the relationship, the ESTJ is just not going to bother sharing anything. Because INFP subconscious, which is an NP, usually, when it comes to sexual relationships, the subconscious has a little bit higher need than the ego. And the subconscious is gonna be like, hey, if you really, really want me, you're going to figure out what you did wrong. The problem is, is that technically sets up the ISFP for failure because they don't have the TI necessary for the figuring. They only have an FI hero. So that too is a problem, and ESTJs need to be aware of that. You can end up setting up your ISFP for complete failure if you're not doing that. So. You might want to avoid that in the future. So, yeah, I mean, these are just some of the pitfalls that can come as a result of this relationship. Yes, the sex is great. But also, anytime you have a fight like this, you need to go have more sex. Like, it it sounds ridiculous. It really, really does. But sex is probably like out of all of the eight possible compatible relationships uh, out there, the companionship relationship is the one that needs the most sex you need to have sex every day uh, like if you're not having sex every day and you're in a companion relationship you are going to fail and the relationship is ultimately going to fail and you don't want that and i believe we're going to be exploring this in the upcoming uh failure proof your relationship uh, course that we're about to release i'm still in the process of filming it we got all of our visual aids for it and they look fantastic including a second edition of the Companion Guide that will only be available with the course. And the course is pretty long. It's at least 60 videos uh, explaining the ins and outs of relationships for the sake of a course. And uh, it's going to be available for early bird uh, pricing and then it will be made uh, for sale afterwards i believe it's going to be a hundred dollars to get in after early bird pricing so if you guys are going to want to get in on the early bird pricing ahead of time and we're going to make it very obvious there'll be emails being sent there'll be videos here on youtube podcast episodes even guests that we're going to have on our show talking about uh, the content within the the course etc so don't worry, we're going to be very vocal about it, but it's going to be happening probably before the end of this month or sometime during next month in the post-Valentine's uh, Day glow, which there is no such thing as a post-Valentine's Day glow. It's just more everyone's just realizing how much they don't actually like their lives is typically what happens. You know, Valentine's Day has always been a day that has contributed to my personal depression in life, and I'm sure there are many people out there like me, because February is basically the worst month of my life every year. But it's fine. February is almost over, and I'm pretty excited about that. That being said, we're going to make this uh, course available to everyone. So, anyway, folks, uh, thanks for watching and listening. Hopefully, this uh, sheds some light on the situation that's going between this ESTJ and this ISFP. Hopefully, they can work it out. I don't really know. But either case, there will be some personal growth for the both of them as a result of this breakup, and they'll be better for it in the long run. So anyway, folks, with that being said, I'll see you guys tonight. You stole my heart of gold after my silver show.